We're getting old, everybody. And as a result, we're going to do it like we always do. We're going to go back in time to look at the wonderful world of 1984. And by 84, I mean the year, not the book. Not the book! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show, The More You Nerd. And this week, we are talking about the year of our births. Well, mine and my co-host, Miles. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked to do this. This is kind of what we benched our entire month around was to end with a celebration of uh, the year of 1984, because both Drew and I are turning 40 this year. And I mean... Obviously, a lot of people from my generation and today um, look back to this particular time period um, as a source of inspiration. As I was kind of looking, you know, at this specific year and then thinking about maybe some of the subsequent years before and after, it is interesting how, you know, this became, and I would actually even say maybe 1984 in particular, the sort of linchpin of modern popular nerd culture as we know it. Um, there's a lot that's rooted that starts here for better, for worse. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's, it is really interesting how, how that's, I mean, cause that, yes, there was always nerd culture, you know, and even comic book conventions, uh, dating back decades, Star Trek conventions, Star Trek fans, but the, what had, what has developed into the current pop culture starts, I think here and, um, both for good and for ill. And so I wanted to kind of um, one thing that Drew and I have always had a common ground in is sort of our our love for some of these these things, um, specifically for the '90s, really. But like, it always comes back to some of these these things that we grew up around. Yeah. Um, yeah. You and I are very different people with very different tastes, but we always have this this Venn diagram that. I think overlaps more than it doesn't in terms of the things that we at least appreciate. We might like different things, but we appreciate you and I specifically appreciate very similar things. I believe, I believe that is the case. Yes. Um, and, and the things we're going to talk about today are, are certainly not kitsch, but it is fun to look back at what was going on the year. Uh, and you and I are only born like, uh, like 45 days apart. Yeah. Cause you're, uh, you're June, right? June 15th and you're August 12th. 12th. Yeah. How about that? Remember your birthday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I didn't remember yours. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> don't, don't think I didn't notice. Um, so yeah, we, we're, I think I wanted to start because it's something and I'm glad we touched on this earlier. Um, all the things we're going to talk about today, I feel were very omnipresent in my life and I'm sure yours as well. And and then part of it goes to the the fact that these things used to have a longer shelf life. And also we grew up in a time period with um, t- cable TV was always looking for content to put on. You had a handful of main channels and everything else was reruns. And I mean, most of these channels didn't get original content until probably the 90s. Um, so and then also there was the video store that was a constant source of how I watched things that weren't really on TV. Um, and so I, I'm trying to figure out what I want to kick off with. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't pick my favorite Christmas movie (laughs) that, (laughs) that came out, uh, the week before I was born. And two things we're going to talk about came out the week before I was born, um, in the middle of the summer or the beginning of the summer, a movie is released it sparks a conversation. It's critically and commercially successful, but it sparks a conversation along with another Spielberg produced or Spielberg directed movie. He produced this that led to the creation of the PG 13 rating. It was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which we will get to because it's also 84. Yes. And Gremlins, which 
is my personal favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> uh, Gremlins, it, it is wild that this movie was summer. I mean, it's not that wild. We talk about these things like, you know, uh, uh, it, it used to be that, like, even if you had a Christmas theme, unless it was specifically like a Santa Claus movie or something, you could have something set at Christmas. And if it was supposed to be a blockbuster, by God, it came out in the summer. Yeah, like Die Hard was a summer movie, despite the fact mm -hmm. that it takes place wholly around Christmas. Christmas. Um, and yes, I am one that believes that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, much like Gremlins. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I'm, I'm but the thing is, I don't. I don't feel strongly about it. I personally don't see it as a Christmas movie, but it's one of those things like I'm not going to argue with someone about it. Like if you if it's part of your Christmas tradition or you think it's a Christmas movie, that's cool. I I don't know why every year we have to have this conversation, but like it's something that like always like people I, I to this day, I see I see people get fights on line about it. And I'm like, yo, it's not that important. It's not really, you know, we, we are allowed to have our own, you know, stuff going but, on gremlins i remember seeing fairly young and i mean as most kids of the 80s we saw things fairly young had the right kind of childhood trauma because of it uh but i mean i remember thinking this movie was scary as a kid um specifically the scene where the mom is uh by herself in the house uh, do you hear what i hear is playing and to this day that song unsettles me <laughs> I find that song, I've always found that song unsettling. And it's because of this movie. Now, obviously, you know, I was thrilled by it. But yeah, it, it definitely it definitely uh, freaked me out as a kid because the gremlins are scary. And now I'm like, oh, this is and a great until, comedy. Until mom gets first blood and takes out almost all of the gremlins in that house. Yeah, in fact, she takes out all but one of the gremlins in the house. All but Spike, I think. Yes, uh, Stripe. Hmm. Stripe, yeah, yeah. spiking the succulent thing. Um, yeah, we just watched that movie over Christmas. So <laughs> it's I, just pretty I, fresh. And I, I, I love watching that movie. Um, and it, and it's one where like I think we were doing like some Christmas decorating while it was playing or something. But there are so many moments. I love that town. I, I love so much about it. So much of that town doesn't make any sense in terms of its economy and stuff. But it's it's one of those things where like it's fun to poke at it when you're having some drinks and you're watching it with your family or. You know, you're just watching it with friends and, and like sometimes people find logical problems an issue with the movie. And I'm like, I'm, I've always been more of a, oh, isn't this funny? Um, well, we, I mean, you can't talk about gremlins without also talking about the effects in that movie. The effects oh, yeah. when the gremlins are are spawning in the pool is, is really wild when they at the, at the end of the movie, when they're all you know getting hit with the sunlight and melting and and. The, the practical effects, I mean, and that's one thing uh, we'll see in a few of these movies. Practical effects were the name of the day. And Gremlins has just outrageous practical effects. Some of my favorites. I mean, outside of like maybe The Thing, um, it's got some of the best practical effects that I think you, you're going to see. Um, I... I guess we should, since it's it's like the same the same day of release, we probably should talk about the other big one from that week. <laughs> I, you know, Miles, when there's something strange in your neighborhood, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, which has a a sequel movie coming out this year in uh 2024 yeah like in like six weeks i think yeah uh is, excited about it looks is fun. it is it like it's not matched up with the original release date is it um because no, that that would be pretty like cool march or february um so drew what when was the first time you saw ghostbusters so this is a question that i don't have an answer for because i grew up watching the ghostbusters cartoon um which mm -hmm. ha which happened several years later it was this was not 1984 um, but the Ghostbusters cartoon, I loved, I had all the action figures while other kids were getting Ninja Turtles toys. I was getting Ghostbusters toys. I had the firehouse. I had the Ecto one. I had the backpack. Did we talk about this last week? I don't know if we talked about it on air. 
I know okay. you and I were having drinks <laughs> and talking about it after we recorded um, so it. So it might have been that. This conversation <laughs> just feels very, very familiar. But yeah, I, yeah. I loved the Ghostbusters car- uh, cartoon to the point where I... I'm pretty sure I had seen it or I'd seen like the TV edit version because we've had this whole conversation about TV Mm -hmm. edits. Um, But what my mom did not remember uh, was we were we were babysitting my cousins and my cousins are are twins and they're about 10 or 11 years younger than I am and born the day after. Did we have this conversation on air or did we just. Did you tell me the story outside of the podcast? I don't. I don't. Exact same story. Miles. I spend too much of my waking hours talking to you. I don't know what we have and have not recorded. Okay. I'll let you continue. Cause I, I know this story, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So my, my, we're, we're babysitting my, my cousins, uh, uh, and who are, you know, they're August 13th. Actually, it's kind of weird. Um, but, uh, but they're about 10 years younger anyway. Um, and we're just flipping channels and oh ghostbusters is on and my mom's like oh you loved this growing up and then all of a sudden the dog statues come to life and it's quite terrifying for i forget how old they were at the time but they were pretty young uh and we did not finish watching ghostbusters after that point um i i don't know how old i was i i was pretty young I, my parents were still together so i was less than 10 um I remember a lot a lot of times that uh, my parents would um after we had gone been put to bed or whatever, like my dad would sometimes go rent movies. Um we'd either do it right after school or um they would rent something for us if before we were old enough to like pick our own stuff out. And so I went downstairs and I saw that the blockbuster uh clamshell was next to the TV. And so I went to see what my dad had rented for me, and it was Ghostbusters. And I mean, I, I was, I think I watched that movie like three times that day. I was so enamored with it because again, you know, it's, it's technically horror adjacent. It's got a horror theme to it. I love ghost stuff and the idea of fighting ghosts. And even though it's this great comedy of with, you know, people that I didn't appreciate until I was much older, the movie itself still worked for me as this great adventure. And I, I mean, yeah, I've I've grown up watching that movie. I I love all four of the movies that have come out. I, I love them all. Um, and I mean, this this movie started a whole thing. But I mean, th- this this year in science fiction and genre films, like I said, it kickstarted so much that it's hard to really a number on on the percentage of effect that it did have because i i would say that like so so many comedy writers or so many people who love to blend like horror comedy like yeah you have the sam raimi stuff that happens in 81 but i think ghostbusters is is a real starting point for so many kids because they got to see this first um and i mean so you have these two brilliant horror comedies released the same week and this is at a time where both movies could be immensely successful, and they were. Yeah, I guess like, that, that that's outside of Barbenheimer this year, it doesn't happen very often at all. You you don't have to fight for you didn't have to fight for box office seats or for movie theater seats as much as you do now. You got to fight for eyes. Well, there's a phrase that that uh, there's a very common phrase that I'm trying to for, to remember, but like. You know, you had what was on TV and you had what was in the theaters and maybe mm-hmm. you had a video store if you happened to also afford a VCR, which in was not, yeah, before they were much more uncommon than when we were kind of starting to come up. Yeah, when we were coming, when when we were aware of it, you know, they, this was already <laughs> yeah. already a thing. Um, um Miles, I want to take I want to take a I want to take a pause real fast and I want to tell you talk to you about not just some of the movies, but some of the people in 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 the world, in world uh, in, in the, okay. the world of media that got their breakthrough this year, their debuts. Okay. Joel and Ethan Cohen directed their first film, Blood Simple, in 1984. Oh, wow. Jennifer Connelly 
was in Once Upon a Time in America. John Cryer was in No Small Affair. Johnny Depp was in A Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984. Yep. Uh, you have uh, Rupert Everett. I was going to mention that one later. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. You, Colin Firth, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Bobcat Goldthwait, Gilbert Gottfried, Heather Graham, Seth Green, Corey Haim, Val Kilmer, Andy McDowell, Kyle McLaughlin, Tress McNeil, Alyssa Milano, Tim Robbins, Tim Roth. I'm skipping over. Ice-T makes his film debut this year in a film. Jennifer Tilly, Marissa Tomei, Ken Watanabe, Stephen Weber, Michelle Yeoh. All of these people got their debuts in 1984. And this that's not even the whole that's list. That's crazy. Um, so I, I, I was, I was going to shift gears as well. I, I'm, I'm assuming you haven't looked. Can you, aside on scene, and this is not really just me, you know, can you name for me one of the top 10 singles of 1984? Oh, I cannot. Um, Thriller wasn't 84, was it? No, I was. I, that was 82, I think. Bad would have been later. Yes. I don't know why I'm only thinking of Michael Jackson songs. I'm just assuming it has to it be a Michael Jackson song. It was where my mind first went as well. <laughs> I think the song Thriller as a single might have debuted in 84, but the album had already been released. Got it. So I think, I think, I think 84 was the year. Um, no, because the, the music video came out in 83. So, okay. So no, so, no Michael a, Jackson. After that, I got to think something Madonna related. Is Madonna on the list? She's not on the top ten. Um, Borderline was number thirty-five that year. Uh, honestly, the top fifty of this year is like insane. The the, the lineup of of artists in nineteen eighty-four is insane. Okay, give me, um, you, give me. You're actually give, not far. Give me. Um, you're gonna I, have to I, give I, me a I, hint here because I, 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 missed, I misspoke. There is a song that's featuring Michael Jackson that's in the top ten. It's featuring Michael Jackson. Give me, give me a hint. Um, this same person, uh, who, this same person is featured on Michael Jackson's Thriller. The only feature in that record, I think. Not Vincent Price. Nope. <laughs> I don't no, 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 know. Actual singing feature. <laughs> I, I guess that counts. Is it the no, is no. it the, is it the guy who did uh 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 I always feel like somebody's watching me? No, no, okay. No. Uh, clearly, Miles, I know so much about music. <laughs> I I thought you might know this one. Um <laughs> I might, but you know the thing about me and music is that I don't know song titles or artists <laughs> or I, I, release I, years. I, I know. Uh the, the person I was looking for was Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. Of course. He was on Thriller? Yeah. The album, not the song. Correct. Okay. I was thinking somebody in the song. So that that oh, ex oh, that I'm explains. So sorry. No, 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 no. I, I, that that is a that is a genuinely uh a, a smart thing to think and i did not specify <laughs> uh, no, the girl is mine is the song that they did for thriller yes yes um but the song that they did together for paul mccartney um was say 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 oh um, wow the top 10 i'll give you the top 10 but there's there's some fun stuff uh when doves cry by prince is number one okay what's love got to do with it by tina turner Love it. Say, Say, Say by uh, Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. Footloose. Oh, you got super rope. You got you. Hang, boy, this is this is hilarious. Jump. No, Miles. I'm not even going to go back and edit over that because you were very silly telling us about Footloose, Footloose which uh, yeah, Footloose came out in 1984. Um, that's a that's yes. another one uh, at number five against all odds by phil collins uh number six jump by van halen might as well jump 
Uh, number seven is Hello by Lionel Richie. Is it me you're looking for? Number eight is Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. Love that song. I know you do. <laughs> oh, when did that song come out? I got to know when it debuted. Owner. Uh, so it debuted in October of 83, but I think it's radio play really hit in 84. Yeah, that tracks. That tracks. Because um, these songs were much more of a slow burn back in the day. Uh, number nine, Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. Bustin' makes me feel good. Technically, Huey Lewis. Uh, Technically. And the number 10, Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. Oh, man. Wild. And it's wild seeing some of the other ones that were uh, involved. I mean, you, you get a lot of... Cindy uh, Lauper had like three or four songs on the charts this year. Um, like, girls just want to have fun. Time after time, we're still on the charts. Uh, the Pointer Sisters, Bruce Springsteen... Uh, hollow notes with state eight so um uh, i mean there's somebody's watching me by uh rockwell yeah that rockwell i was just singing that song rockwell somebody's watching me i know um, there's ha. a lot of great stuff uh in this year um i i know we don't talk a ton about music but i mean it's just hearing those 10 songs and like oh man all all Taylor songs are like iconic mega hits. Like every single one of them. In a way that I feel like a lot of music isn't anymore. And this is the thing that that I think is is again because you didn't have the internet and you didn't have just all of the you had like two ways of listening to music. You could listen to it on the radio or you could go to the store and buy it. Or you could so, maybe it's, watch it's MTV. Tough, <laughs> it's tough to say. Um, I think that the songs can't uh, are and can be iconic, but the staying power is a little bit less. I mean, there's a lot more competition in every medium now, and so there there is that. Um, I mean, we're saying this in a year where Taylor Swift has completely dominated right everything I, I saw today that like she's responsible for selling like 330 million dollars of chiefs and nfl merchandise this year so i mean yeah you, you can't you can't say there's not iconic artists that, i i just I, I feel like that is i feel like she's a weird exception in that i don't remember somebody breaking through that much since <sighs> michael <laughs> maybe maybe beyonce recently oh, oh yeah yeah i mean beyonce was a big one um i mean th that's an, obviously a fascinating conversation i wish this had come up in our music conversation because this is the kind of stuff i love to talk about yeah i talk about like, this with my roommate all the time the the idea of a megastar is different today than it was then like you have people I mean, that have similar curation i mean mtv like you said was a massive part of the culture like music television was a big deal and so when your artist was dominating music television and then popping up on different things i mean like there were a lot of things that that kind of culturally cued you in on whether or not this person was popular and it was often if they were being sought after by big brands and stuff you know uh ray charles i think was it pepsi you got the right one baby uh i got think the right so one, baby. i think so uh -huh. um miles you know, even though he was he had, he was long famous but like he retained and probably had another second boom because of that. Michael Jackson being on a uh, wonderful world of Disney, like constantly when you had the new kids in the block, their big concert was a Disney concert, like associating with these big things became such a part of whether or not you were a megastar. And, you know, then in September of 1984, you have the f inaugural MTV video music awards. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the year that really, I think, MTV like plants its flag. <laughs> Literally, it had, it, the it, MTV flag MTV. on the moon. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I actually got that tattoo over there. Um, I think it pops out in 1981. By 84, it's it's the cultural force that it, it maintained until probably about 2002, three. Um. Yeah, so the the 84, the first M uh, Video Music Awards, 
Madonna performed uh, like a virgin. Uh, she, uh, Cindy Lauper, spoke in, in gibberish in an exorcist style thing. Uh, but and then she won best female video for girls just want to have fun. Uh, David Cindy Bowie. Lauper's videos are are a hoot. I love her videos. Uh, David Bowie, The Beatles, and uh, Richard Lester were awarded for pioneering work in music videos. And The Cars, you might think, won the very first video of the year, beating both Mm. Michael Jackson's Thriller and Herbie Hancock's Rocket. That is insane. That is wild. But but that beating Thriller is absolutely insane. You might think I'm crazy. For thinking that that is a thing that happened. Uh, but yes, like, there it is. I, I love that song. I I love, apparently we've been pronouncing his name wrong for decades and he just never told anyone. Uh, Rick Okasik, I think is how it's pronounced. Okasik, um, I think I heard. But I, I always heard Rick Okasik. Uh, um, me too. I love, love the cars, but that, that, that is, that is insane. That is absolutely. I cannot insane. believe that beat Thriller and, and Rocket because Rocket's a, a really cool music video too. That's wild. Yeah. Um, and so, one's a, a mini film. So I, I think what's so cool is like, I mean, music is still a huge thing, but I did like when it was part of, I think when it wasn't so splintered, I guess what it is, um, where it wasn't just, oh, we have, you know, Fuse and CMT and, you know, the box and, like we split it off into more things. You have so many more subgenres, and I love all of the music. But like, I liked having one place that at the time we had naive was like, "Oh, this is this is curating things for us." And unless it was country, they, <laughs> for the well, but not they're they're. Hey, Shania Twain was on MTV. Um, uh, fair, fair. I mean, if you got big enough, I mean, they would play. You know things that like Bonnie Raitt would play kind of close. To my that. hometown didn't get MTV until the 2000s, so I don't. Uh, I, I missed a lot of the glory days yeah. of MTV. Um, but I do. I do remember. I mean, obviously not in '84, but I just that is a that is a thing. And I mean, there were many years where I tuned in for the VMAs. Like it was a big deal, and they were like, you know, especially in the '90s, like iconic moments that came from them. So it's. It's cool to hear, like, that's a really cool thing that, that debuted um, that year. I, I'm not going to I'm not going to torture you with more music talk. I just I thought bringing <laughs> up the Billboard charts for 84 would be pretty fun. I mean, find, um, finding out that the VMA started in 84 is just another. It's pretty neat. Another wild it's, thing. Um, Speaking of big debuts. There are. Four incredible young people that debuted in 1984. Well, we've already talked about you and me. Donatello. Oh, I'm sorry. Raphael and Michelangelo. The first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic came out in 1984. So we're the same age as the Ninja Turtles, like, exactly. Yes. That's pretty. It's pretty wild, right? It's pretty wild. The Ninja Turtles are turning 40 this year. <laughs> yeah. And um, celebrating in style with that new movie. Um, so, I mean, I didn't come come across the Ninja Turtles until 87, 88, when the cartoon came out. I mean, I think that's and true for most. most people. Yeah, unless you were really hip on indie comics, you probably didn't. I know Mirage, like, put these in a lot of stores, but, like, like that... Sh- that that comic got really, really big, but I, I'm not gonna pretend I ever heard the Ninja Turtles before I saw the cartoon. I was too, too young. And when that cartoon came out, I mean, it was turtle fever. It's it's insane how big the turtles were for for a time. Um, and it's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty rad that that this weird like <laughs> parody of Daredevil and Ronan like became this iconic cultural movement. And and it's one of those things where it's like, really the Ninja Turtles were parodies of, of, of daredevil, but it's like, Oh, it's, 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 it's daredevil fights the hand. The turtles fight 
The foot. The foot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, Daredevil is trained by that... stick. The turtles were trained by splinter. Splinter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. And there, there's there's a lot of little fun things in there. And I mean, obviously, we're all big turtles fans. Uh, all, all, all two of us. Um, I thought that was a, a fun little bit. The other thing that came out in 1984 comics wise, I didn't find a ton because I mean, there was a bunch of big comics and everything, but another big debut was the black costume in December of 1984 in Secret Wars number eight. And we spent a whole we spent a whole month, last month year talking, talking about, about that. that. We don't have to talk about that, but no, but I think it's funny that it came out in 1984. Yeah. Again, iconic year. M- maybe the most iconic. Book, yeah, the only other big books have been written about it. <laughs> Get it? Get yes. It? Get it? Um, the only other comic thing that I, I took a note of, uh, just because I thought it was neat, was this is the start of Alan Moore's run on the Swamp Thing, which pretty much dictates how his career will go from here on out. Yeah, uh, his I have not read Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, but I I do know that it's where he takes Swamp Thing from being more of a monster and starts creating ideas like the green and you know the the the, ener- yeah, the it's, energy it's, of of plant life and things like that. It's certainly where it becomes more of a cerebral literary horror comic and. And was for several years, I think. I can't remember how long his run was. Um, so. Back to movies. There's there's a movie I put this on the list because it's a movie that always kind of captured my imagination. Um, I actually grew up loving the sequel a little bit more, but the idea, uh, and this predates, you know, stuff like the page master that you could kind of go into a fantastic book and live out the adventure. And it was somehow tied in with the real world, uh, blew my little mind when it came out. I think I saw this probably a little, little too young, um, I'm not too young, but I saw it when I was young and it, it certainly had a great impact on me. And that was uh, the never ending story. <laughs> I, I never watched this until I was an adult living in the house that I'm currently living in. I never saw it. I, I feel like your wife mentioned that like a while ago that like you, you had seen it for the first time, like, yeah. like the last like two years, right? Uh, it's been longer than that. Uh, so I've lived in this house for almost 10 years. And I'm pretty sure we saw it in this house. Um, but I uh, started calling our dog, one of our dogs at the time, a luck dragon. So she would have had to still been alive. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's been more than four years ago. But I um, th- th- this this movie is is absolutely fantastic. I actually have a couple years ago met uh, Alan Oppenheimer, who is the voice of Falcor. Um, also the voice of Skeletor. And ah! he could not have been more nice. He he uh absolutely loved my fiance because she flipped out when she realized she was meeting Falcor. Um and yeah, I mean this 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 movie just holds a very special place in my heart. <laughs> well, mo- movies that sh- hold a special place in my heart. Um Actually, not that special of a place, but I have to bring it up. Star Trek three came out this year. It actually came out a week before Ghostbusters and Gremlins. <laughs> so I wasn't I didn't add this to the list purely because I know you don't like this movie. And I that, really like this movie. I don't hate it. I don't. It's it's when it comes to the the first six Star Trek films, there are the better ones and there are the not as good ones. And this one is smack dab in the middle. It's not quite as good to be exceptional and it's not as bad as five um i mean the only star trek movie bad as five is nemesis yeah i'll probably give you that um i was gonna say i I don't know what movie you would argue (laughs) is is worse than those two uh well into darkness but that's in the jj verse um anyway well i'll talk about that for 45 minutes and we will not be talking about 1984 um so yeah, Star Trek three. Um, this is uh, this is this is the one directed by Leonard Nimoy uh, and uh, it created some weirdness on set uh, because uh, William Shatner was a bit jealous of Nimoy 
<laughs> directing yeah. went on to, and went on to direct the worst one <laughs> yeah imagine that imagine that um but when there's star trek involved i do have to bring it up so uh mm -hmm. yeah there we go yeah i figured you would and that's why i didn't add it to my list because again i have a very very soft spot for this movie i really like this movie um it's weird and i i like that it's weird um it's also like a big old course crushing so like oh we killed spock well we gotta we gotta figure that out um <laughs> you, you can tell this is like some executives like oh yeah yeah, yeah. uh Sp spock's back now it, it, mm -mm. no no um speaking of uh science fiction from 1984 though and and things that really do change the course of how a lot of things go um this one i, I would say i would actually say it's a pretty big linchpin in in film history in history of the genre and that is 1984's the terminator dun, 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 dun. so dun, dun, the dun, reason dun, dun. i hold this one uh is such a a, a big big mo moment in time is not only does it start a massive uh, franchise and both both terminator and terminator 2 are forward thinking movies in terms of movie making and, and special effects i mean cgi it w certainly existed before t2 but not in the way that t2 did it yes um but terminator it was not cameron's first movie uh even though there's some conjecture on how much he was involved in his first movie but this is his big his big debut and this movie was an absolute monster and because I mean, this movie was made with 6.4 million dollars and made in 1984 78.3 million this that is was that that's that's the budget of a movie now but back then that was like making like four hundred thousand dollars four million by four hundred million dollars like it was huge this is the reason why Arnold Schwarzenegger exists as as a being. He had been in other things. He was doing Mr. Olympia and all that stuff. But like. <clears throat> him being in Terminator was what I, I think really, I guess he had done Conan already. Huh? Yeah, he's done Conan, but like this, this, this was the star maker, though. Yeah, you, you're 100 percent correct. Conan's great. And he did two of those, but like this was really the star maker for him. And not just him. Because of this, it puts him in the right conversations that Jim Cameron does Aliens. Another massively iconic film that he does uh, that comes up two years later. Um, you know, obviously T2, which is often some of the best sequels of all time. He makes True Lies, which is a big big movie but then he goes on to make two of the highest actually three of the highest grossing movies of all time titanic avatar and avatar the way of water back to back to back in terms of fictional i'm not counting the documentaries um, <laughs> and also back to back over the course of like 15 years <laughs> no absolutely but these were his i mean the thing is like and me too when the way of water came out a lot, a lot of a lot of film people were like, okay, but who who cares about Avatar? Well, clearly somebody does because movie made a, a, a like uh two point three billion billion dollars. Still haven't seen it. Uh, still haven't seen it either. I don't really care that much about Avatar, but it, that is what that's that's not that's not. But because of the Terminator, which is also by itself an awesome sci-fi movie. Um, like, I think, I think that does, I mean, and, and to me too, I think the, 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 how good Terminator is gets lost in the weeds because of how much a cultural moment T2 was. Yeah. And, and, and Terminator is, you know, it's definitely an earlier film, but it is so, so tense. And so like, I, uh, uh, Rebecca watched it for the first time, uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, just because. Yeah. Uh, loved it absolutely loved it which i did, did not ex she? did not expect that to, to be the case but it's such mm -hmm. a such a that's good movie. cool uh, it is and that's the thing is when you watch that movie you're like oh yeah this movie is amazing like it's an incredible I mean, they did a lot with the budget they had um there was so much stuff that wasn't working and 
they they just they pull off an excellent science fiction movie um and and then they pull off an excellent high concept science fiction movie with the sequel and then it's diminishing returns from there um but i I would say without this movie i think the course of a film the course of the sci-fi genre and the course of uh certainly uh a huge action star's career would have been completely different. Definitely. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of this movie. And um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that one up because it's, it's, it's such a tremendous one. Uh, speaking of ones, what a movie that has been on my mind a lot today in particular, just for uh, completely separate reasons, but one that I'm not going to say it invented an entire genre, but it definitely popularized a genre and gave it a name. And that is a movie that goes all the way to 11. This is Spinal Tap releasing in March of 1984. Yeah, um, which really was today's. Um, was, was today's <laughs> well, by the time you're listening to this, it was yesterday's frame. So we're not spoiling it for you. But yes, <laughs> got that one in one with the amp that goes Same. all the way hey, to 11. The Marshall amp. Yeah. Uh, but Spinal Tap is su- Rob Reiner directed such a fantastic, hilarious and by all accounts, extremely real take on <laughs> the the touring rock musician uh, industry. Um, but yeah, the term mockumentary was coined not at the time it wasn't coined until discussions about this movie uh later on that that rob reiner used the term mockumentary to describe spinal tap and that is the name that stuck and of course from there you have christopher guest who is one of the stars of this movie going on to make so many fantastic mockumentaries like uh waiting for guffman and best in show and a mighty wind and all of these things that granted were more in the 90s but were 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 all all those seeds were were planted here to sprout then it's it's not surprising to me that you're a big fan of this movie <laughs> oh um, uh, uh, a, a, a little because a, you, you, a, you have so little to do with music but <laughs> a college class about the concept of parody uh, is what uh, was was that uh, it was a project that Rebecca and I were on a team together in, in college. And we started dating shortly after working on that project. So uh, I have, <laughs> That's awesome. I have uh, that uh, big fondness for that one. Yeah. I have, uh, it was, it, it was parody in general, weirdly Kung Pao enter the fist. Uh, if you remember that movie, yeah, I, I, I do. We still quote it regularly, even though it is terrible because it was a movie that we watched as part of this parody project that we were working on. Um, it's terrible. Like, but it's, it's, it's terrible. Like, it's not a good parody really in a lot of ways, but like, it's terrible in like the best ways. Yes. Uh, or at least it was the last time we watched it, but yeah, it's been, I, I, I haven't watched that it's movie. It's been very, a very while. Been a while. Um, but yeah. So there are a couple things, um, obviously, uh, horror wise. Yeah. We, we talked about nightmare on Elm street, which is another one that, that, I mean, without this movie, you don't have new line cinema, which is, was for the longest time called the house that Freddie built. Like that, that was an actual industry term. If you watch documentaries about that franchise, New Line Cinema is called the house that Freddie built. And they, they use that log line because like without, without this, you do not have Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy (laughs) because you don't have that studio because that studio pretty much nearly like broke itself to get these movies made, but they believed in it and, uh, it happened. Um, Wes Craven will go on to have a very contentious relationship with that studio, uh, despite working with them pretty frequently. But um, yeah, I mean, another one where it's like this one was a big one for the genre. It also is a big one for film because you don't have an entire studio without the success of this movie. Um, scared the crap out of me as a little kid um, because it wasn't just a lumbering monster. It's not like Jason where Jason doesn't say anything. Or even Michael, who's a little more ethereal. But this is someone who like actively like taunted you. Yeah. And 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 was basically like, oh no, it's a serial killer. He's still a serial killer. He can just 
he can go where you are you would feel like you're the most safe and and it's it's a, a great concept of fantastic young cast obviously you know early johnny depp heather langenkamp um just a phenomenal phenomenal film um you know i watched this for the year, first time uh last year not 2013 but 2020 or 2013 i think i remember i think rebecca told me you guys were watching yeah i think i watched it for the first time 2022 october um i keep saying last year because it's still january um right and uh, i gotta say watching it as a grown adult um little little bit of a different experience not nearly as terrifying as i thought it was gonna be oh i mean no i mean i've watched i've seen this movie in theaters recently it's it's uh, it's funnier than it is scary and and i that's so much of that is true of a lot of of horror movies that i just was too afraid to watch growing up right i mean slasher films these movies work for its intended demographic once you are outside of that like i can still like put myself in the time period and and enjoy but like yeah i'm watching this film now i mean honestly very few films if any before a certain modern age instill fear with me i just it's hard for me to get spooked because of the way that the films were made and how they were directed. It's just different. Like, but I mean, you, you think about like 1933, Dracula comes out and like terrifies audiences, terrifies audiences. We watch it now and like nothing. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is a cool moody piece and like Lugosi's acting, but like it's it's all different. I mean, so yeah, watch watching it nearly forty years removed. Yeah, you're not gonna have the same effect that I had when I was nine years old. Yeah, but I mean, it's still a really well made movie. It's still really fun. Um, speaking of well made fun horror movies, uh, the definitive one of the two definitive Friday the Thirteenth movies was released in 1984. Um, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, the final chapter. Um, if anyone ever asks me what jason movie to rent it is either this one which features a very young Corey feldman or part six um this one really sets the tone for how jason kind of acts from here on out even it i have a question for you miles because this is something i've learned recently is this the first movie where he's got the hockey mask no part three the end of part three is where he gets the hockey mask so this is part four that you're but, the, but part four is the first one where he's got the hockey mask the entire time. He acts a lot more like the Jason that we we know culturally who he is. It starts here and then is kind of really solidified in uh, six. And then once Kane Hodder takes on the role for about a decade, like he just he he nails that. Um, and I'm trying to think of this uh there there's a movie that did come out in 84 that i think i'm the only person it meant something to and i think the the lead actress told me as much when i met her at a comic con a few years ago um and that's 1984's uh helen slater starring supergirl (laughs) i adored this movie as a kid um i always loved it and i mean i haven't i probably haven't seen it since at least the 90s um it's been kind of tough to get on disc um i think there is a d blu-ray out there but it might be a little pricey um it's it's a movie that i always had a real affection for when i when i met helen slater a couple years ago she was like yeah most people talk about billy jean you know the legend of billy jean uh it's most of she's like i don't like she has superhero or supergirl photos, but she's like, yeah, a lot of people don't really talk about that movie to me that much. And I'm like, I don't know why. I, I don't think I, I don't think I had heard of it until fairly recently, last 10 years or so. It's, it was a tough movie to find, too, if you weren't getting it from the rental store, because I always looked for it at Suncoast because um, I yeah, I always liked female superheroes and there wasn't a whole lot, uh, especially then. And so Supergirl was it. And it's it's a really, really fun movie. I haven't watched it in a very long time, so it may not hold up. I don't know. Um, and let me look at what else we There's have. There's one we have mentioned that we haven't talked about that we probably should. 
Okay, what's that? Well, sometimes uh, there's no time for love, Dr. Jones. So we talk about yeah. Indiana Jones the, and the Temple of Doom. A a very problematic movie <laughs> in retrospect. Yeah. But as a kid, I didn't know any of that. Um, and I, I, I was obsessed with this movie. I bought, I bought the, this from McDonald's, I think. <laughs> uh, when, 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 because VHSs were so expensive and McDonald's had this promotion where if you bought like X amount of food from them, or if you bought a, might not even been with purchase, but you could buy a VHS for four ninety nine. Uh, uh, I think pizza hut or Domino's, one of the two pizza places would later do a very similar thing. Yes. I think they did turtles uh turtles was one uh turtles was definitely one um because i feel like i bought the the pizza monster episode from them specifically oh interesting (laughs) i think i don't remember i don't don't remember so what was what was your experience with this movie because this was the first indiana jones movie i ever saw i I'm going to be 100% honest with you, Miles. I saw bits and pieces of indie movies until of Indiana Jones movies. Excuse me. Not indie like <laughs> indie films. Um, I was an adult before I watched. The, oh, wow. The three that matter. Really? Like I'd seen them and I'd seen bits and pieces, but I never really put them all together until I watched. So, so a lot of these big movies from 84, you just didn't see till you were an adult. Uh, yeah, a lot of them. Um, you know, weirdly, when you're uh, uh, an infant, you don't see a lot of movies. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm infant, kidding. You jackass. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but uh, it's just one of those things where I don't know whether it was just that they weren't in syndication as often because that's where I was normally seeing things. Mm-hmm. Or, or if I caught it, I would catch it and just watch a bit of it. Like, I'm pretty sure I had seen mo- more of Last Crusade than any of the others because last crusade that one got a lot of tv last play. crusade got a lot of tv play because i because I, I i vividly know the the scene with the cup and them going through the you know stepping on the pattern and things like that um but yeah i it was watching them all really what for for what wasn't the first time but because i was deliberately doing it what felt like the first time i was an mm-hmm. adult when that happened so we've talked and, and as a, and as a result i don't hate temple of doom i think that temple of doom is definitely the weakest of the three but i uh i don't hate it as much as i feel like it gets gets a lot of hate um no i mean i i look i i i certainly understand the problematic nature of that movie so i can't i can't contest that um but yeah that said i yeah i i have always loved that movie. I I just love these kind of like pulp hero stories. And um, we don't get a lot of them, even within the franchise. Uh, even I, I liked the last indie movie, but like it's those first three have a specific flavor that have not been replicated. Um, so what I was kind of curious uh, of these things that came out the year we were born. I mean, obviously we just want to talk about the celebrate the things that came out for, you know, our birth year. Yeah. Um, Th- things like both break in and break into electric boogaloo, both releasing in the year 1984. Yes. I, <laughs> I know. Um, but I was kind of curious if any of the stuff that we've talked about, because, you know, most everything was certainly a, a huge part of my childhood. If there's anything that was like, informative for you uh as you as you were growing up because a lot of these things definitely work for me that's what i was kind of focusing on in making this episode or choosing the things that i wanted to like highlight and kind of like oh yeah i mean because these are all the weird thing about doing this episode is that they're all big things like yeah. anyone listening to this show is going to be like yeah of course yeah of course i mean we're not we're not spilling gems this is celebrating big things from the year we were born but but, that, but that's the thing like I, you can't have a lot of the things that we grew up on without stuff happening this year you've got i mean ghostbusters terminator 
Nightmare on Elm Street, like all of these things that that are just iconic and rippled through everything. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the comic book started this year. No one would know that just a few years later, it was going to be the biggest thing on the planet. Yeah. And that that though it didn't. I mean, it started in 84. We didn't feel the the ripple of that until years later. And then you know, that that's that's really kind of what I'm what I'm what I'm getting at. Like, well, and it's, there's, it, I'm there's, glad you brought this up because I, I have I have cultural conversations like this pretty frequently um, about more about music than anything else. But it is something that, that people love to try to instantly contextualize things. And like, like like we were bringing up like, oh, there's no none of these stars. But it's not until you can really I mean, yes, you have some obvious ones like Taylor Swift. But like, I think when you're living in the moment, like when when you were in the culture and you heard these songs on the radio and stuff, and when the radio was a thing, there, it's a different conversation. I think it's not until you step back from that decade and, and be removed for a decade. Because like I, I would have said the same thing in like the 2000s, yet I can pick out plenty of big artists and stuff and big films from that decade. But I think when you're, when you're in the thick of it, outside of like real linchpin moments, like your Barbenheimer's, like it's 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 difficult to see until you've been able to contextualize things after the fact and and i think that's what's so fun about looking back at the, the year of our birth to see all right what came out then what debuted then and what was what was the impact and like a lot of the things that came out the year you and i were born yeah like you said i mean have had a ripple effect that i mean really affected pop culture in general and and probably Western culture in general, in terms of of the arts. Well, and, and if we just look at it like this year, there's a new Ghostbusters movie coming out. Last year, there's a Gremlins cartoon. <laughs> you and know, an Indiana Jones movie and an Indiana Jones movie came out late and last Turtles year movie and a Ninja Turtles movie and a Ninja Turtles TV show. That's a sequel to that movie is coming out this year. Like these are all things from 40 years ago, four zero years ago that are still big deals didn't even talk about voltron but <laughs> didn't even talk about voltron but that's yeah, I, didn't I, even talk about, I meant to talk about voltron because i you, you know me yeah. um so it's which, it's 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 one of those things and, and that's just talking about the movies if we talk about music and we talk about the the big things happen like i i was shocked to learn that the first video music awards were in 1984 like that is that that though they don't have the same cachet that they did then that was a that was kind of a uh, of a what's the what's the term here it's no oscars but it's not trying to be the oscars because it's trying to be the or the emmys or the grammys because no, it, 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 it it felt it was, like it was, it was it was speaking to somebody else it was it was, it was speaking to the to, in to a way. The, it was it was speaking to the youth where right. where a lot of the other award shows are are not doing that um and and obviously it's you know it has always been corporate minded and making money and all of that sure i don't um, want to talk it, about how the vmas are some sort of like wonderful right. fantastic and, and I mean, it's more evident now in, in the way things are gone than, than ever before. But yeah, I mean, but there was an, also a, a nice naivety to the time period, I think, where it was like, yeah, these might, these spots might be bought and paid for, but these spots make sense. Like if I'm thinking of best music video from 1984, you bet your bottom dollar I'm, I'm voting on Thriller. Yeah, I know it didn't win, but like if that th that was one of the nominees, absolutely. I kind of want to go watch. You might think I'm crazy now. Just to... I, I kind of do because I I want to know because like, I, I do think they're crazy for that. Because how could this how, win? How? <laughs> how? Uh, Miles, we have an email. Oh, cool. Yeah, we got an email from uh, Kyle, who um, uh, by the way, I I did enjoy your bowling pursuit pun. Um, does mention uh, a film that traumatized him as a kid, Gremlins. Uh, when I saw this on the Sunday night at the movies, I was terrified. I suffered from night terrors as it was, though I think my parents suffered more. I, I <laughs> totally get that. I was definitely a kid that tried to tough out certain movies, even movies that were like beyond my ears. And then I'd wake up <laughs> in the middle of the night and 
everything's dark <laughs> and and have like one of those panic attacks. <clears throat> I, I had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cardboard cutout of all four turtles from the movie because uh, my uncle worked in movie theaters and was able to. Oh, that's dope. Uh, and got me one. He actually gifted me a bunch of posters uh, that like the actual uh, movie posters that would be uh, like the, the ones out, uh, you know, outside the theater. Um, I got them back at, at Christmas and I've forgotten to take them out because I'm worried about them because some of them are not in great shape. Like my one for the Transformers, uh, 80s Transformers movie or the one from A New Hope uh, special edition. Um, that one's actually in really good shape, but uh, that's there's a really bunch of cool. I mean, having worked at a movie theater, I know I know how much like random stuff can be found. Uh, um, I, I haven't gone through them because I have I have to I have to be very careful taking them out and my kids will be all over them because they'll be curious and I don't want you know kids are not always gentle with things that they need to be gentle with so I, I know I've got a bunch of other ones in there and a lot of them probably aren't anything I care about but I need to go through <laughs> them and, and look um he does hit some of the same ones I love that he brought up a nightmare mystery and right there into the final chapter those were big ones on my list um brings up romance in the stone which is a really fun movie like i didn't put it on the list um because it kind of always it's one i don't always think about um but that was that was a big one um we did mention footloose because of the the song uh but one one that uh kyle mentions that i went back and started watching this series again because i watched it a lot as a kid and it does hold up uh is police academy see we've police we've... academy is super super fun we've bandied about doing a, a deep dive into police academy I've, movies i've been asking forever because i i got to like number three and i was like you know i better stop because if i go further i just know that we're gonna end up having to do a, a series of episodes um and um oh gosh giant dangerously was out this year that's a good that's a good pull. I well. love Johnny Dangerously. It, it's so dumb, but it is so much it's, fun. It's so much fun. Um, and uh, he mentions that, um, you know, obviously full uh, love for Ghostbusters is the groups of nerds and geeks I hang out with when I'm not playing Sabacc with the 501st is Ghostbusters. Um, had the action figures, the movies, the cartoons, both of them um and it's yeah it's 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 such a favorite um and then a christmas one that he brought up was a christmas carol with george c scott um that is one i i've not seen i haven't either uh but he, he says uh 84 was a big year if you review 85 there'll be another uh marathon email for me i did leave some things out but i'm sure y'all will cover them i don't know <laughs> uh keep it nerdy kyle kyle thank you so much for emailing us uh i I really appreciated it. I did love uh, talking about these sitcoms. Uh, you mentioned Murder, She Wrote, which was a big one for me that I also watched with my grandparents when I was at their house. Um, it's also another one that I'll put up on. Like, if I can't go to sleep, I will put on uh, Murder, She Wrote, and it just puts me in that, like, really comfortable spot. <laughs> um, I I love that. Love Angela and Lansbury. Um and I think they just recently did like a Jessica Fletcher, like NECA figure. Um, I need to find that. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for emailing us and anyone else who has memories from 1984 or even the year of your birth and what great things came out. Please email us at the more you nerd at gmail.com. Uh, but before we wrap things up, Drew, tell us what are we doing next week, next month? Oh, next week, next month, we are going to spend the month talking about video games, but not just any video games. We're going to do a remake roundup. Yeehaw! We are going to talk about a couple of remade video games, games that are remakes of previous ones. And we're going to kick that off with, honestly, one of the best remakes that has ever been done. Spoiler warning for the conversation next week uh capcom's resident evil 2 remake uh so that we are and i will say we are 
focusing on stuff that Miles and I are also very familiar with the originals to. So there's a few that you might wonder why we're not covering this or that. Uh, and it's usually because I was too afraid to play the original. Um, but that's not the case with RE2. So that's going to be next week with our remake roundup. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can, of course, find us at themoreunerd.com. You can tweet to us at the more you nerd blue sky at the more you nerd. And of course you can email us like Kyle did the more you nerd at gmail.com. That's the more you nerd at gmail.com. Or you can do like Kyle also did and join the discord. This is through cosmiccrit.com, Our other podcast, go to cosmiccrit.com, click on the discord link, join and talk to us all day uh, because we work and we get bored. Um, so <laughs> with that said, everybody, thank you for letting us reminisce about uh, how old we are, because, yes, we are very old, uh, but we're not done and we have a long way to go before we get to the end. Wow. What a weird way to say that. I'm just going to yeah. check out now. Uh, we'll see you next time. And we end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd out to nerd for y'all. <laughs>